0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Brody Young. I get to serve on staff here at the Thornton campus. It's great to be here and worship with you all this morning. We have been trekking our way through the Gospel of Luke the past several weeks, and we've been going through this account, this detailed account from Luke, where he says in chapter one, he's put this account together in order. To record all that has been accomplished, all that Jesus has done in these first seven chapters of Luke. All that we've seen accomplished in order that we might take this good news for all people. And in today's passage in Luke chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus tell a story. We like stories. We like stories in sermons and we like stories in conversations. They have fun characters and they can be really engaging. And sometimes I can hear a story and I might interpret it a little differently than you might. You could hear the same story as me and we might interpret that story differently, right? Well, maybe you've heard this one before. There was a teacher and several students and they're going through a novel together. And the teacher approaches the students and says, when the author says that the curtains are blue, what does it mean? And so the first student eagerly raises their hand and they say, I know, I know. The curtains are a replacement for the endless skies outside. Our character is trapped inside and it represents the contrast between the outside and the inward state of the character. The second student puts their hand up and they say, no, no, that's wrong. Blue is obviously the color that symbolizes the calmness of the author. By using blue, we get a glimpse into the mind of the writer and how they're feeling. The teacher says, no, I'm sorry. Neither of those answers are correct. Blue is obviously part of the greater motif of the novel. If you were paying attention, you would have seen in the first few pages, the boots were blue. And later on, the curtains are blue, and then in the end of the novel, the grass is green, which symbolizes the transformation that our characters have gone through. One day, when they get the chance to meet the author of the book, they eagerly run up to the author and they say, why were the curtains blue? And the author looks at them and says, because my favorite color was blue. <laughs> Stories can hold different meaning to different people. And so Jesus is going to share a story with his followers this morning. If you want to look in your Bibles or up at the, uh, the PowerPoint for Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to camp out mostly in verses 4 through the end of this section. Beginning in verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuza, and Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, Let him hear. Would you pray with me? Father, as we open your word this morning, would you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us? As we worship together, would you give us hearts and minds that are undivided, but rather are focused solely on you and what you have to say? God, help us to see who you are through your word. Help us to see who you've made us to be. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is going to tell a story to his followers. And there's this large crowd that's been gathered around him, and they've been witnessing him doing these miracles as he begins his ministry. And so he begins with a story, but not just any story. He begins with a parable. A parable is a short story that contains profound truth. One common definition of a parable that's used is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Parables compromise roughly one-third of Jesus' teaching throughout all four of the Gospels. And so it's important for us to understand what a parable is and how Jesus uses them as we approach them. But not only that, This parable seems to hold some particular significance. It's as if this parable is the key to unlocking other parables. In fact, Mark's account of this story, Mark 4.13, his disciples come to Jesus and they say, explain this parable to us. And Jesus' response is this, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand the rest of the parables? If we don't understand this parable, we're going to have a really hard time understanding one-third of Jesus' teaching throughout the Gospels. But it's okay. If you struggle to read the parables, if you're like, oh man, you just told me that if I don't understand this parable, I'm not going to be able to understand a third of Jesus' teaching, it's okay. Because the same people that approached Jesus and said, explain these parables to us were his disciples, who went on to follow him for the rest of, of his ministry, and ultimately the rest of their lives. And so Jesus is going to begin with this very important parable. And what he's going to do through the parables is he's going to take the familiar to explain the unfamiliar. He's going to take the familiar, the things that they know, to explain the things that they don't know. The disciples, as we've learned, do not understand the things of the kingdom of Jesus very well. But what they do understand is fishing. What they do understand is agriculture. And so Jesus is going to take these things and he's going to explain the truths of the kingdom through the lens of fishing, through the lens of horticulture. And he's going to explain it in ways that they understand. All right. So, what is the key? I said this key is really important. If we're going to unlock this door, and behind it is all of the other parables, what is this key to understanding the first parable? Look with me at verse 4 and 5. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air Devoured it. He's going to go on to say that there are four different kinds of soil. And these four soils represent four different kinds of people. Four different states of the heart. Now, I don't want to stereotype you too much. But I have a hunch that you Colorado people like the outdoors. And I've probably spent some time around nature and gardening and things like that. Now, the gardening that he's going to talk about in this parable is not raised beds with fertilizer from Home Depot. He's going to go on and talk about farming in the way that they understood farming. Now, when a farmer went out, he would go out along the path, which was on the outer edge of the field, or a path down the center of the field, and he would use this same path all the time so as to keep the rest of the soil in better use, And so he'd walk along this path on the outer edge or through the center, and on his hip, he had this large bag of seeds. As he went, he would cast the seeds as far and as wide into the field as he possibly could. He wasn't checking the pH levels of the soil to see which was the best part of the field. He wasn't planting them three inches apart in nice, neat rows. Right, He was casting it out wide, knowing that much of that seed would fall on bad soil. We see in verse 14 that the seed is the word of God, the truth of scripture and the good news of the kingdom, all that Jesus has been sharing up to this point. The truth of the kingdom is the seed that is being spread widely. And if it takes root, It'll germinate, and it will grow. The sower, then, is the one who sows the word. The one who takes this word of God, this good news of the kingdom, this good news for all people, and plants it. He casts it out as far as he can. The point is this. The four soils represent the four states of the heart, but it's the job of the sower to always, always, always spread the good news of the gospel to spread the word of God. The sower who spreads the good news is not judged by the character of the one who hears, but by the faithfulness of their action in sharing the good news. We are bound to share the gospel, whether people will hear it or not. The seed of the gospel is freely scattered just as the sower scatters it about Is the soil that truly matters. And so this presents an interesting question for us. Because in verses 9 and 10, we get a really interesting statement from Jesus that seems to contradict this. He's given this parable and he's saying, you need to share this word, this word with everybody, regardless of the state of the soil. And then he's going to say this in verses 9 and 10 when his disciples approach him. When his disciples asked him what his parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So that seeing they may see, sorry, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. What is Jesus talking about? This seems to to contradict what he just said. How can Jesus share this with others expecting that they won't really receive it? What is going on? Well, what Jesus is doing here through the parables is he's separating the sincere seekers from the casual hearer. He's separating the sincere seeker from the casual here. We need to remember, Jesus had this large audience, right? He's got this massive crowd that's been following him around. And no doubt, these people are coming from all kinds of backgrounds with their own expectations, their own motives. Some may be waiting for a miracle. They say, here comes this Jesus. He performs miracles and healings, and he exercises demons, maybe I can benefit from one of these miracles. Maybe I can witness one of these miracles. Here comes the Jesus who surely is going to conquer Rome. Maybe he'll even come with his host of angel armies. But surely he'll be the king one day. I should stick close to this Jesus. Or maybe... This Jesus claims to do all these wild miracles. I wonder if I can catch him slipping up. I wonder if I can trap him and prove that he's not really who he says he is. These people appear to seek after God, but they don't truly seek him. And to such people, these stories were designed to confirm the stubbornness of their hearts. Their hearts were hardened I like the way one scholar puts this. He says, To those hardened against God, parables are designed to be dull stories about horticulture, fishing, real estate, economics, traveling, or banquets. It's nothing more. For such people, parables remain blurred and mundane, just like the gospel itself. They don't want the real Jesus. They want a Savior who serves their agenda. And so their hearts are hardened. But for those who earnestly seek after Jesus, those who really want to know the real Jesus, who cling to his every word when he shares these parables, they meditate on it. They think about these truths. It provokes the imagination and the curiosity. These characters stay with them. And to them, the truths of the kingdom are revealed. To those who truly want to find the real Jesus, they will find the real Jesus in the parables. To those whose hearts are hardened and they are stubborn and they don't want to find the real Jesus, to them, it's just a plain old story. He's separating the sincere seeker from the casual hearer. But notice that very little attention is given to the sower in this passage. There's very little given to the sower. Most of it is given to the soil. That's because the sower doesn't know the state of the soil, and yet, even so, even though Jesus has just concealed parts of this story through parables to those whose hearts are hardened, we still spread the seed of the word, even to those who have hardened hearts. But bad soil is not well prepared for the good news of Jesus. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, And the ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. We mentioned earlier the path that the farmer would take, the sower would take as they walked along and cast out the seed, right? And what happens is a path over time becomes really trodden down. It's really worn. It's packed down. And so when the seed lands upon the surface of this path, there's no way for it to dig into the soil. It's hardened, right? And so the birds come and they eat the seed as it lays upon the surface. There are many who hear this word of Jesus who were never intending to worship him. And were never intending to, to be affected by a single thing they heard from the mouth of Jesus. There, as one famous preacher puts it, these people are like a highway, which was never intended to be a cornfield. If a single grain of truth were to fall into their hearts and grow, it would be considered a great miracle. The word of the gospel lies upon the surface of these people's hearts, but it never penetrates. There's no depth. There's no room for their hearts to be affected, to be changed by the truth of this gospel. This is most of the people that Jesus is speaking to in Luke chapter 8. Remember in Luke chapter 7, we saw Jesus healing the servant, right? And Jesus has been in Capernaum and he's been in the northern parts of Israel. And since then, he's been traveling all around to the cities of Israel performing these miracles, and doing these teachings. And it's these people in Israel who have been God's chosen people. It's these people in Israel who have had the law. It's these people who have communed with God. They should be the most fertile soil, ready to receive the word. And yet, in many cases, their hearts are very hardened. These are the people that he is speaking to in the path. What should we do with such people? These people who, maybe they come to mind that you've prayed for for years, if not decades. Please, may your heart be softened to the truth of the gospel. Again, this parable teaches us that even for such people, even the hardest of people, the gospel is to be sown the gospel is to be shared with these people. The word is to be shared with these people. And so we preach the gospel faithfully. And we trust that God has the power to turn even the highway into a cornfield and to perform miracles that we could never imagine. The next path is the rocky path in verse 13 says this, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a little while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Perhaps you've had this experience before. You take a shovel and you go to dig into the ground, thinking that the ground is going to be soft and ready to be dug into, but just beneath the surface is a huge rock. And you hear the clank, And sure enough, you're going to have to work much harder to dig out this rock, or you're going to have to go somewhere else entirely. On the surface, this ground looks very good. But just beneath the surface, it's hard, and there's no room for roots to grow. There are some hearers whose hearts are hardened, and yet they seemingly are the softest. It says they receive this good news with joy. They're those who are so fervent and ready to talk about the things that they've heard. At least at first. But many people, when they hear the good news, they say, I want that. I want Jesus. I want to be part of this kingdom, of this community. They receive it with joy. And then when trials come, when they lose something, when they lose a home, when they lose a job, When they lose a loved one, when they get sick, they turn away. Deep down, they really were hardened. They were happy to trust God when everyone around them was a Christian, when it was popular to be what they were. And so they were full of joy, but when it becomes difficult, they give up. When the tough gets going, they get out of there. And then the fourth, the third path is the thorns in verse fourteen. And as for that that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. The seed that lands upon this kind of soil has too much competition. It lands, and it seems like the soil is really good. There is nutrients there, right? But then as time goes on, there's too many things competing for growth. What's gonna win out? There are too many things competing for the affection of Jesus. They'd rather have their comfort and their luxury, and so as they go on, ultimately, they don't grow. I mean, Jesus sounds pretty good. But what about all these other things? Church sounds really good, but man, the Broncos are playing. It's football season. I mean, I could volunteer, I could help these people out, but this book I read by Warren Buffett told me every ounce of my time needs to be invested in my future. That's not a good use of my time and resources. Where's the value in that? Jesus is great, but all these other things, all these other luxuries are that much better. And the thing is, these things aren't bad. Spending time out in creation, out in the mountains, in ski resorts, is a wonderful, wonderful gift. Having a home that you care about, stewarding your resources and your time wisely is a good, good gift. And yes, even watching the Broncos and their $57 million quarterback can be a good thing. But if following God means sacrifice, am I willing to do it? Am I willing to give up those luxuries and those comforts? In moments of testing, these people say no. These these thorny soil devote themselves to the things of the world, the things that the world values. And at first it works out. But before they know it, The things of the kingdom of God are inconvenient or irrelevant or boring. And when it comes time to choose, they walk away. Or maybe it's not the things of comfort. Maybe it's not the luxury. Maybe it's this God is too restrictive. I want to live life the way that I want to live. I want to be able to love who I want to love. I want to be able to identify how I want to identify. This God is too restrictive. He's asking too much of me. For some, it's not the comforts of the world. It's the pleasures of the world that will choke them out and prevent them from growing. And unless we remove the thorns which choke our affections for Jesus, he will always be in competition with something else. But there's a good soil. We see in verse 15, as for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. There's this brilliant piece of artwork composed by the Muppets that goes like this. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) And sure enough, one of these soils is not like the others. It says that some seed fell upon the good soil where it bore fruit with patience. One of these soils was good. When the good news of Jesus was preached, the soil receives it. Their heart is tender ready to be penetrated by the truth and is prepared to persevere and to be patient not only do they hear it it says that they hold fast to it following jesus is really really difficult when there's so many things that bring us comfort and pleasure there are so many things <clears throat> that could choke us out. When it's not comfortable, when trials and tribulations come, when life gets hard, it's hard to cling to this, to the Word of Jesus, the Word of God. It's hard to get up and say, I'm going to spend time with God today. I'm going to cling to His every word. It's hard be a Christian. When nobody at your school or at your workplace is a Christian. When nobody in your family feels the way that you feel. It's often not the most glamorous life. And perhaps you've seen those who once followed Jesus, They once walked with you. They once sat in the pews alongside you. They once were in your life group. They once served alongside you in the community. And seemingly, they've fallen away. When this happens, this parable teaches us we shouldn't be surprised. Three of the four soils ultimately falls away, even the ones which look really good at first even the ones which persevere for a little while. They ultimately do not trust in Jesus. Patience is hard. Holding fast to the word is hard. But when trials come, when things are taken from us, we can take courage from this verse. Good fruit does come with patience. Good soil does bring good fruit. Good soil does bring good fruit. Those who seek after Jesus will find him. This is the purpose of the parables. Those who don't want to find Jesus will never find him, but those who truly earnestly seek after Jesus and hold fast to his word. We'll find Jesus. The secrets of the kingdom are good news but only to those who hear it. Good seed plus good soil equals good fruit. You can take that to the bank. If your soil is ready, the seed will always be good. The sower will always be out there casting the seed. God cares for his children. And so, how do you prepare your soil to produce good fruit? How do I prepare until my heart for the good fruit of the gospel? Well, the Christian faith, I think, should regularly walk through the orchard that is our lives we should regularly walk through and look for the fruit and ask questions like this. Does my life look more like Jesus today than it did a year ago? Does my life look more like Jesus today than it did a decade ago? Am I more patient? Am I more compassionate towards other people? Is my faith contagious to those around me? Do they know what I believe? Do I love God and his people? Do I have disciples who follow me as I follow Christ? This can take time. And it can take lots of persevering. But the steady persevering growth of the Jesus follower is a beautiful thing. The steady following after Jesus and persevering is a good thing. And so the good soil becomes the sower. The one who has received this word now casts out this same good word that they've received. We're not responsible for the response of others. All we're responsible for is to have good soil, always ready to live out the word of God and to share it with others. And so may we call out, Lord, by your grace, make me into good soil. May I produce fruit, may I grow and produce fruit a hundredfold that you may use me for your kingdom for all eternity. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have sent your word out to us. God, you've given it to us. And God, would you give us your grace to be soil that receives it and bears much fruit? God, we need your help this week to be faithful. The world is a hard place to live. And so, would you give us your strength? Would you give us your grace? this week, to walk faithfully with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.